God bless you. It's good to be together tonight. How long has it been since we had church? A month now, or has it been? Seems like it's been forever, don't it? I love going to church. I love going to church. Some folks love going to a rodeo. Some like going to a football game, baseball game, basketball game, Dollywood, wherever it is that you like to go. But my favorite place is going to church. I enjoy getting together with family and friends and things like that, but there's just something about being in God's presence. It changes you every time you're there, if you'll let it. Amen. It's so wonderful to be able to together here tonight. Let's turn to the book of Revelation, if you would, chapter 19, verse, <clears throat> verse 19. Revelation 19, 19. What an astounding time is laying before this world. For us as the people of God, it's a tremendous time, absolute tremendous time that lays before us. What will happen after the departure of the bride? Oh, not so much. It's going to be a terrible, terrible time. I wish you could be able to let everybody know, but if we would head out of here tonight, scream it to the top of our lungs. We probably wouldn't get to the traffic light down there where somebody had already called the cops on us and think we were crazy, have us picked up. If we try to witness to the jailer, to the people in jail, they'd think we was crazy. And it's like we have the truth to be able to tell people that people simply don't want it. They want their way. They want what they want and what they think is right. We're so blessed to desire the truth. Listen carefully now. I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. You're talking about insanity. People are going to be so insane they will attack the Lord Jesus and his army. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshiped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. Now remember, these are the first beings that the scripture records being cast into this lake of fire. The Old Testament people and the New Testament people that were lost have went into Hades or Sheol of the Old Testament. But these go directly into the lake of fire. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that set upon the horse, which proceedeth out of his mouth. And all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Hide us, Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your mercy to us tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have made a way of escape that we would not be partakers 
of these terrible things that are going to happen. Father God, if there's one individual in this place tonight that is not ready to meet you, that does not have the token applied to their life, we pray for them now, Lord. If there's one that does not know you as Savior, one who's maybe justified and sanctified, but never received the seal, may this be the night that you will make it real to them. Father, may you pass by this way tonight. Heal the sick, encourage those that are down and weary. Lord, we remember those that are traveling still on the holiday times. We pray for your mercy to them, flying, driving, whatever they're doing. Be merciful to them, Father. We ask, we commit the service and the word into your care. Help me to be able to get out of the way to speak the words of life. Help the people to be able to receive it. For it's in the name of the word we ask. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I don't think that our minds, as much as we have the ability to imagine, can ever, ever be able to comprehend what a terrible time that lays before the people at the end, not only during the tribulation, but at the end of the tribulation, which is where this setting is. They will be so under the wrath of God. They will be so under the domain of the beast and of the false prophet. They will so be under the plagues. The prophets of Revelation 11 will be given authority, power to control the elements, to be able to stop winds, bring all kinds of things upon the human race. And yet at the end of it, instead of people being of a repentant heart and a repentant attitude, and saying, God, we're so sorry. What, what have we done to you? Instead of them having that mindset, they were going to be so angry and so upset at God, they will see the Lord Jesus coming out of heaven on a white horse and the armies of heaven with him. And they will have such rage and such anger that they will go out to meet him, the king of kings. You've got to be kidding. These people are absolutely out of their minds. They're going to attack the Lord Jesus. They're going to attack the saints of God in glorified bodies. What would make them do such a thing? Well, the key is where they are and who they are. You see, the Bible tells us here that they have received the mark of the beast. They've been deceived by miraculous power of the false prophet. So they will have been so duped by this religious thing. They will have received the mark of the beast and they will, their soul will then be turned over to a reprobate state. So, you know, they've got in their mind. They know, they know they'll be able to win. They believe in their mind. They'll be able to win a battle against the Lord Jesus. Now, you know, demons are so, they're so deceptive. They, they themselves believe in one God. They know their destiny. They don't even question God about where they're going. They don't even accuse God of their judgment and their destiny. They know that he's a savior, but not theirs. 
and they are so determined, but yet still they are able to anoint people to accuse God, their oneness, all demons believe in one God, but yet they convince many that there's three. And when it comes to their own personalities and the way that they view God, it's such a strange thing to me. So here we come now to when the ages are now going to end. It's the end of man's day. And it is the day, the dawning of the day of the Lord. And the tendency of liberal interpreters that will take the scriptures of God and the traits and the attributes of God's love, mercy, salvation, goodness, forgiveness, and all of that. And them same interpreters don't want to look at the scripture that talks about God's judgment and God's wrath. But let me just tell you tonight, those scriptures are just as real and just as profound as those that describe his grace. Is that right? Those that all oh, they're so caught up on the love of God and the mercy of God, but you don't hear them talking too much about the wrath of God and the judgment of God. It's just as real and it will happen just as much. Now, you know, the word to a real true believer, the word is not lopsided and it's not warped, but it takes a real understanding to be able to view God in this right perspective. Now let's move over from chapter 19 to chapter 20. Now notice what happens at the end of this battle. This is the battle of Armageddon. It's gonna be held in the valley of Jezreel. That is called or the valley of Megiddo or the valley of Jehoshaphat. Very same place given different names in the context. So after the Lord Jesus comes out of heaven, and then the sword proceeds out of his mouth. Uh, no doubt a lot of these people will be killed by atomic warfare, but there will be many of them that will be reserved to be annihilated by the sword that proceeds out of his mouth. Some of them, their bodies will be disintegrated. This will fulfill the scripture in Malachi 4 that the righteous will walk out on the ashes of the wicked. Notice how God differentiates the death and the judgment of the wicked that some of them will be eaten by vultures. Some of them will be tore apart by vultures and will be eaten by these birds and it's called the great supper of God. And yet others of them will be annihilated and be nothing but atomic fodder. Now who's to determine that? God himself will. We will step out on the ashes of some and on the bones of others because there they will lay and their bodies will be ripped to shreds by these vultures that have come to eat them. You say, that's awful. Well, they're only getting back what they deserve. You see, people who turn down the mercy of God, they make their own religion and they rewrite who God is and what God is. This is what God's gonna give them in payback. I personally don't want none of that myself. I don't care what he asks for me to do. I wanna do it, don't you? Now watch when it comes to where the beast and the false prophet, which are two separate individuals, they will be cast alive into this lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone. Notice now in Revelation chapter 20, verse one, and I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key 
of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. Now notice how many angels that it takes to throw the devil into the abyss. I want you to notice that John does not see a whole legion which is from two to 6,000. He does not see a whole band. He does not see an army. As a matter of fact, he does not even see a cherubim, a zoon. He does not see an archangel. He does not even see a noted angel. He sees an angel apparently of minor rank. But this angel is all it takes to grab old Slewfoot and throw him down in the pit. Hallelujah. Notice, so I saw an angel. Now notice John differentiates in the book of Revelation in the categories and degrees of angels that he would call them a mighty angel or a great angel or a shining angel. But this one is just an angel. So it just lets you know that no matter what you're going through, God don't have to be able to dispense a legion. It doesn't take a mighty angel. It doesn't take a great angel. All God has to do is send just one of his ordinary angels your way, and it's way more than what you need. Hallelujah. Now, notice this angel has a key to a certain place, and it was a key to the bottomless pit. Now let's look at this bottomless pit a little bit and let's look at the realm of demons. I know it's a world that we know very little about, but let's just peer into it for just a little bit from the scripture. Now before I do, I wanna let you know something about demons and the devil himself that I'm not sure you're aware of, but Satan actually has fear. That may be something that would seem unusual, but demons actually experience fear and Satan experiences fear. You can find the prophet saying this in the church age book about the devil that whenever people would come up before him and the spirit of God would start discerning them and that devil would pick up that he's fixing to be exposed and he said he would watch the countenance of those people's face as it was changed because Satan hated and was afraid to be exposed. Now, he knows that his end is coming. I I can't say that I understand him because he can read right here in the Bible and he believes that his end is coming. Now, if you notice this or not, but you will by the time we're done tonight. These demons actually know their days are numbered. They know the Lord Jesus is going to torment them. They know that they're going to this place of the abyss or the deep or the pit and they know it is just and they're scared to death. So what I love to hear is when the tormentors are afraid of torment. Amen. I read something uh, this, this year early in the spring 
about stink bugs. Y'all know what stink bugs are. Uh, we got two or three different kinds here in East Tennessee, and there's one predominant one, which is a brown, got a little touch of gray on the back of it, and the females are mainly the ones that stink so bad. But I was trying to figure out how to get rid of it because it got a screened-in porch, so I've got some up there, and they love that place. So I was trying to figure out how to do it and what do you do. Well, you know, you can do this and do this and this. And what I thought was so amazing about stink bugs is this. They cannot stand stinky smells. And I thought that's about reminding me of a polecat that can't stand, you know, can't stand strong smell. But a stink bug cannot stand strong smells. It just bothers them and they will not stick around. So what I found was that you can take either camphor or you can take some strong oils, essential type oils, put them in a, a container with water and put just a few drops inside of there and then pump that dude up. And whenever you see them little rascals, all you gotta do is just spray around where they are. And they go, oh, I can't stand this. I gotta get out of here. They can't stand it. But yet they themselves are nothing but stink bugs but they don't like stinks or long, strong smells. And that's what I think about the devil, that devils love to bring fear. They love to cause torment, but they themselves are so afraid of being exposed. They are so afraid of the Spirit of God, and hang with me now, they are scared to death of a man, woman, boy, or girl that knows their position in Christ Jesus. And when you get on your knees to pray and you begin to call on the name of the Lord, them devils begin to tremble, not because of you and your humanity, but because you in your deity, hallelujah, you cannot be destroyed. Oh, glory to God. Now, what's this instance in Matthew chapter eight, verse 28? And when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergenesenes, there met him two possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs exceeding fierce so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out saying, what have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God? Now how did they know who he was. What do we have to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? Is this the time? Is this the time when we're going to the pit, to the abyss, have you come to torment us before the time or is this the time? Now, let me just let you in on something that apparently the demons that are under Satan's control did not know and recognize in the promise of God that there were two comings of the Messiah. So when they see him, and they see, by, of course, by this time in the scripture, Jesus has already been casting out devils and doing mighty wonder works and things like that. So they knew there was something different about him and now they are wondering, is this our time to go into the pit? So they were scared. They were afraid 
because they're going into the pit. Now, now they are not in this place. So wherever they are, remember Second Peter talks about it, how that they were kept and they were in a prison life. But in that prison, they can come and go. They can be able to do this and that. But once they get assigned into this pit or the deep or the abyss, it's like they know they can never come out. So now they are afraid their destiny has arrived and they are scared to death. And I say, ha, ha, ha. Now what have we, Jesus, thou son of God, art thou come hither to torment us before the time? Now won't you listen to this, this strange faith. Now listen, this strange faith that they have. So they, they know, they believe, that he is the son of God and they also believe he has the authority to send them to their destiny. They believe he has the power to speak and they would be forced to leave. Now can you imagine, we're talking about demons, but look at their faith. Look how strongly they believe who he was. That if, if, if demons could believe that, what about us as children of God? If they could believe that, can you imagine believing that he is a savior, but also knowing he's not your savior? What a peculiar faith that they had. You say a faith? Yes, they believed. They believed and it was a sort of faith that they believed he could speak, he could determine their destiny, he would send them to their destiny, but yet at the same time, they also knew it was not for them. Now, I find this so amazing because they fight like they are the winners and we act like we're the losers and they can look in the back of the book and they already knew their destiny was predetermined and somehow they knew they were gonna wind up in the abyss or the pit. Now remember the New Testament was not even written whenever they said this, but they are quoting New Testament terms and it's not even wrote down in the New Testament yet and they are confessing the Lord Jesus will send them to their destiny. Isn't it amazing? Devils knew who he were and preachers said he was a false prophet. The church crucified him and devils testifying who he was. Well, that's about the way it goes, isn't it? Now, notice to be able to believe he's a savior, but not yours. So what did they ask him? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? So this displays to us the apprehension of the demons that live in that world that know what did they know about him? What did they see? What did they recognize that the rest of the world could not see? There was something about him that must have been supernatural and phenomenal that they would recognize that. So the question, it comes back, how was they able to see it? And yet they did not question him. Now you ain't got the right, you ain't got no authority, you can't do this that they never even questioned their destiny. They never even said, we should not go to hell. We, 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 we should never have to go there. No, 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 you made a mistake. They don't even question it at all. Their question is, is the time arrived? We know we're going and we're getting what we deserve, but the only question we've got, is it now or not? We don't know, we're not sure. If demons could have that kind of faith and where they're going, what ought we to have, Brother Larry? 
If demons can look at that and say, well, I know where I'm going. I'm a devil. I know where I'm going and I'm getting exactly what I deserve. Is this the time or not? And we get up and down and in and out. Well, I'm not sure if I'm saved or not. Well, if the rapture was to go, I'm not sure if I'm going. If a devil can know where he's going, how much more should a son or daughter of God filled with the Holy Ghost have confidence in God? I know where I'm going. I pass from death unto life. I'm not what I was. I'm a different person. The old man has died. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. He ain't just Brother Donnie's Savior, he's mine. He ain't just Brother Branham's Savior, he's mine. He's my God, he's my Redeemer, he's my King. Oh my. So they don't question his authority. They don't question his determinant ability to assign them to what they deserve. They don't question any of that Their main question is, has it arrived? Is it time for us to go into the abyss and never get out again? Oh, my goodness. So they don't say one thing against it. Now, maybe some of you have never been called to cast out devils. Maybe some of you have seen it happen before. I'm sure you have. But I've seen it many times, even before I come to the message. And whenever you deal with a demon-possessed person and you've got a person that's trying to make them leave, and you watch the reaction of that demon inside that individual, and that demon will try to bluff that preacher or that individual that's trying to cast him out. And if he catches the least little bit of question in the heart of that individual that's trying to make him leave, You watch him bluff. And you can watch that devil, and I did say him because they are him. And you'll watch them, I don't have to come out. I don't have to come out. You can't make me come out. Oh my, I was casting one out several years ago and that demon spoke out of a woman in a man's voice and said, I was the one in the Garden of Eden. I was the one who come against Eve begin to talk and say these things over and over and I forbid him to preach to me. I said, hold your peace. I knew the book of Genesis. I didn't want to hear his account of it. Well, praise the Lord. Now you see, he is a bluff. So he will try to bluff you. Now I've seen him many times so where then, then if that thing goes to try to bucking against the preacher that's casting him out, then he will get that edge and the preacher, Satan can pick it up, you know, just like a dog. If you are scared of a dog and you go in a yard, that dog may not bother nobody else. But your body produces an element of fear and it will produce a sense that that dog can pick it up and it smell. Your body produces that and that dog will bite you nine times out of 10. My advice is for you to run like you ain't never run in your life. But somebody else can go to the same dog and say, shut your mouth and lay down. I'm gonna tear you limb from limb. And you watch that dog's tail and you know where it goes, right between its legs and it'll back down and look at you like that. Why? Because your body is not putting that out and he can sense it. I better keep my bark to myself. This old boy's got a pretty good bite himself. So devils are the same way. 
Now they are the king of bluffers and that's why no matter whether you're demon possessed or where Satan's just trying to fight you in your mind. Uh, all of you, all you say, well, I'm not possessed. No, of course you don't have to be. But he'll still try to bluff you on being saved, being bride, being filled with the Holy Ghost. God's gonna heal you. God's gonna move for you. Well, you've been praying and God ain't done it. He's trying to bluff you away from your promise. He's trying to bluff you away from your healing, but you need to stand right there and say, shut up, devil. Get back to hell and leave me alone. I believe God's word. I'm God's son, I'm God's daughter, get out of my way, I am healed, I am delivered. Now watch, so they quote this about before the time. Now they know that there is a certain time that's been set aside for them to be judged. Now we know, of course, that in the last days when the great white throne judgment is set, and Satan will be judged. And all of those demons, which were angels in the presence of God, each one of them will be given their own judgment. Oh my goodness, what a time that's gonna be. Now, the demons not recognizing the messianic coming was gonna be divided, Isaiah 61, into two advents, so they, no doubt, they were kinda confused, Brother Joel, and trying to understand, now wait a minute, the son of David thing, Psalms 2, Zechariah 7, Zechariah 14. Uh, what about all that? What about uh, Micah 4, 2? Aren't those things gonna come about? So they were looking at it, but here was an advent that they didn't understand. You see, it was that coming of the Messiah that confused the, the Jews and the great teachers and they were looking for the son of David but instead he come as son of man prophet right and then he come back on the day of Pentecost as the son of God and the next coming we know of course was to be a son of man according to Luke 17 30 in the last days and then this coming is what the son of David to set upon the throne so these demons were kind of confused about the time they said has the time arrived are we going to the pit so notice this in Mark chapter five, verse one. And they came over into the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him. No, not with chains. But, and because they had often bound him with fetters and chains, now listen to this strength, that this demon would give to this man. And the chains had been plucked asunder by him. And the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. Now notice the word tame, like you would try to tame an animal. What a degenerate state a demon-possessed person can get into. And they have supernatural power. You've seen them before, of course. They can have supernatural power. It's just phenomenal. Some of the things that I've seen before and watched them, people get under that influence, you just think it's almost, it's just almost impossible for it to happen. But these demons, when they fell from their original estate, they still kept that delegated authority given to them by God. So that's why they can appear, disappear, angels of light, and all of that. Now watch, and always night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying, oh, and cutting himself. You see, there is a move 
and has been around for a long time. Where some of our young people will cut themselves. Well, you see, this is not a godly example. This is not an example of someone with the Holy Ghost trying to do this. So what influence is it from the devil? You remember the false prophets up on the mountain when they began to call upon their gods? And what did they do? Cut themselves. So it's demonic. Now I'm not saying a person who does it now is full of the devil, but the devil is certainly anointing them. Now notice this man, so he was in the tombs. What a place to live, in a graveyard. So he was in the tombs, and, and, but his, his emotions was a mixture of power anointed with demonic influence and yet human weakness at the same time because the man would display such power that they'd run up real close to Brother Fred and they'd chain him and put fetters and bonds on him and they'd be able to tackle him down and maybe waddle him down like a wild animal and just in a few minutes he'd be like, like Samson was. He'd just pop them chains off of him and the fetters and then you would hear him maybe growling like some sort of animal and then he'd weep and mourn and cry. The anointing of the devil would move on him and then whenever he would do these things, it would retract and he would kind of come to himself and he was a miserable creature. Oh, Lord. Lord God. Notice this. And when Jesus, when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him. A demon possessed man. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? First time in the New Testament these terms are used. Most high God. This is the name he appeared to Abraham in. El Elyon. Most high God. And yes, your demons are quoting this name of God. What's his authority now what he says? I adjure thee. Wow. So this demon has enough boldness to say to the Lord Jesus, I adjure you. I challenge you. I demand an answer of you. Ah, you're talking to the wrong one, buddy. I adjure thee by God. that thou torment me not. Ah, now we see it. The word torment means pain, vex, to question by applying torture, to be harassed. That's what I love to do to devils. I love to apply torture by questioning. 
How much longer you think you got, devil, before you cast into the pit? How much longer you think you got before God's gonna heal me of this affliction or whatever it is I'm dealing with? I love to apply pressure. You see, friend, we're living so far beneath our privilege because we, somehow we, we tend to think that the devil is the only one that has the right to question. And he always questions us. Well, what about your failure? And what about this? And what about that? And then if he goes with that, then he'll say, well, how come God ain't healed you? How come God ain't done that? How can God, you need to understand your rights that you've also got a right to question him. Well, I wonder how much longer, devil, you've got before Jesus is gonna cast you down into the pit. I wonder how many more days you're gonna bother me with that headache or that backache before I'm gonna come shouting out of that bed talking about the power of God. I wonder how much longer, devil, oh, you said that old devil hangs around me all the time. Well, apparently you make it pretty comfortable for him. So if you go to questioning him and applying the pressure on him, you might find out you got a little bit more peace and quiet. Oh my, he cried with a loud voice, what have I to do with thee? Jesus, thou son of the most high God, I adjure thee by God. Torment me not. To question by applying torture, to be harassed or distressed. <laughs> of those who are at sea that are struggling with a headwind. So you're at sea and you're, roar, you're roaring and you're pulling the oars and man, you're roaring. I'm telling you, you're doing everything you know to do and there's a great big strong headwind. Any of you have ever flown on an airplane and you know what that is, right? A headwind and a tailwind. And if you're meeting a headwind, I've flown in them before overseas over the Pacific and over the Atlantic Ocean, that 150, 200 miles an hour headwind. So that means that the headwind is flying and moving at 200 miles an hour and you're flying into it at 550 miles an hour and then the pilot will tell you because of this strong headwind it's going to take us longer to get there. It's going to take us another 45 minutes or another hour but the, the good part about it is I've also had the pilots to come on and say ladies and gentlemen we have a strong 120 mile an hour tailwind and because of that tailwind we're going to arrive sooner than we thought because that tailwind instead of pushing against you it's pushing for you. Oh, glory to God. I believe, friends, I am totally convinced that you and I fight a lot of headwind when we ought to be riding on the tailwind. And it's because we let the devil tell us, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. You need to start questioning that sorry outfit and say, how long's it be before you're gonna be thrown in the pit, old boy? How long is it gonna be before the Lord God delivers me? How long is it gonna be before you're cast into the deep? So the next time he wants to have a conversation with you, Brother Keith, hand me one of them chairs, our brother. So, devil, you come to torment me today, did you? Well, sit down. I'm gonna harass you. I found out last night I'm a Holy Ghost-filled son or daughter of God. I put up with your mouth. I put up with your lip. 
I've done realize, I've done listen to a bunch of junk and a bunch of lies and a bunch of garbage that I do not have to put up with. So if you're gonna stay in here today, sit down and shut up because I've got a bunch of questions for you. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Well, well, if you got devil, has the time arrived? I don't know the day, I don't know the hour, but I want to tell you, your days are numbered. You're gonna be thrown in the pit. You're gonna be annihilated. You're gonna be destroyed. So devil, I just like to shout around you a little bit and just tell you, you're gonna be cast into the lake of fire. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So I think I'll leave him there and preach to him a little bit. So the tormentor anticipating and dreading torment. <laughs> and entreating for exemption. I jure thee by God. Boy, ain't it amazing how religious he can be. <laughs> my, my. Notice in Luke chapter eight, verse 20, 29. He commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, what is thy name? Question time. And he said, legion, because many devils were entered into him. Now the prophet tells us in the little sermon, Prodigal Son, 19 and 50, that this guy was a good guy, married man, had kids, had a family, but he started with one little thing. Might have been drinking, might have been lying, and then one devil entered, and another, and another, and another. Let me tell you something, friend, I don't care who you are, how old you are, ain't none of us can outsmart the devil. Oh, you're playing with this sin and that sin, saying, well, I'm good, I'm good. No, you're not good. They none of us good enough and powerful enough to be able to withstand this demonic force, especially in this last day. And they, notice, they, they. Now, if you notice, whenever this comes about and Jesus asks, what is your name? And one person answers. One person answers. But look how it changes in verse 31. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. Now they're getting scared. So he said, what's your name? Well, my name is Legion, one spokesman. And then they all go to get nervous. You know, it's so like the prophet, whenever he would under discernment, somebody would come up in a prayer line, they might have cancer or whatever more, and he would stand there for a minute and get silent, you can hear it on the tape. And he would say, that person sitting right back there, you've got the same thing. And this person over here has got the same thing because I can see a dark streak going from this one to that one. Now, what were they doing? They were communicating in the fourth dimension. Can't you hear them, he said? Can't you hear them? This one 
is crying for help. And he would all say, also say, I hear him begging for mercy. Oh my, begging for mercy. Devil's begging for mercy. Oh, you say, boy, I'll tell you, Brother Darnie, would it have awesome to have been that prophet? No doubt it would have been. But let me just bring it on down to you in your day. When the weakest Christian gets down on their knees to pray, it makes hell tremble. You imagine a son or daughter of God that knows who they are and they go to praying for that wayward boy, that wayward girl, that wayward husband or wife, and they go to believe in God no matter what they feel, no matter if they speak in tongues or not, they believe God's word and them devils out of hell go to shaking and trembling. Why? Because the saint of God has more authority on the earth than an archangel in heaven. That's a quote. A child of God down on their knees. Oh, hallelujah. Believing the Lord is going to set them free and them devils get all tore up. Mm. And they besought, begged, pleaded, that he would not command. They recognized his authority. That he would not command them to go out into the deep. Now this is the same exact same word that's used in the book of Revelation for the bottomless pit. The Greek word is abusos which means bottomless pit, unfathomed, boundless abyss. So the demons believe in God and they tremble. They believe they will get a just judgment and it makes them afraid. They believe and know they are beyond redemption. How can you say that, Brother Donnie? Because there's no redemption for an angel once he crosses the line. Once an angel ever sells out his allegiance to Satan and turns against the kingdom of God, there is no redemption. Jesus never died for angels. He died for sinners. Think how blessed you are, friends. So they know this about God's character and they know their destiny is already determined and yet they fight him, they fight his kingdom, they fight his economy, they fight his people as if though somehow they can still win. But they know, they know beyond the shadow of a doubt he has power, ultimate power to assign them to their destiny. You say, why do you keep saying that? If they can believe that in their devils, cannot we believe the other way? We are children of God. I ask you, devil, where are you going? I ask you, devil, can you get back? You can't tell the truth, can you? But I'll tell the truth for you. You're going to the pit. You're beyond redemption. You cannot get back. But guess what? I got back. These people got back. We're not going to the pit. The pit was where I was taken from. But I ain't going back to the pit. I'm going to paradise.
they admit they have to obey his voice. I don't mind telling you when I'm praying for our saints, whether it's folks that are part of our immediate church family or people on the phone or people around the world, whoever it is that I pray for them, for the sick and this and that, you know. Uh, I wait, and oh, how patiently I wait sometimes, for that unction from the Holy One to where it is more than my words. And it is more than my voice. You understand what I'm saying? When the Spirit of God will cry out of you and pray out of you. How many has ever had it happen? Well, of course, many of you have. And we know we can do it and we continue to do it, of course. But there's times that he supernaturally will come and he will speak out of our human vessel and he himself will take our voice. And it sounds just like our voice, but it's not so much the first voice that you hear but it's the voice behind the voice that makes the devil leave. Oh, glory to God. I'll tell you, friend, as a servant of God, it's one of the most awesome experiences in your entire life. I've shouted, I've spoken in tongues, I you know, had different experiences with God. But when the Lord God will take your voice and actually speak to an unseen demon in an unseen world, in an unseen realm that you yourself know hardly anything about, and the Spirit of God will speak to that devil, and that devil will turn that person loose, whether it's drug addiction, whether it's alcohol, whether it's homosexuality, whatever it is, and the Spirit of God will set them free, and you know it's not you. All you were was just a microphone just like this right here, but the Holy Ghost took your vocal cords, he took your lips, he transmitted that thought down and that devil recognized not your authority so much but the authority of the same son of God. Don't you understand why that Satan hates the church of the living God? Because the truth of it is the Lord Jesus wants his body to do the exact same thing that we read in these scriptures. That's why the devil wants us as message people just to become a cold bunch of theologians with no supernatural power of God and we come to church and say, up there and we just don't move, we don't worship, we don't sing, we don't do nothing. I tell you one thing, we will never get to heaven as being a dried up bunch of unbelievers or a bunch of church members. The Lord God wants to manifest himself as the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still heals the sick. He still casts out devils. He still delivers his children and sets the captive free. Amen. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday today and forever. Oh, hallelujah. The demons recognized Jesus had authority over them. They begged. They begged. Don't send us there, please. Don't send us to the abyss, to the bottomless pit. It's amazing this story here because you have three instances of people begging. Well, the first category wasn't actually people, it was demons. 
They begged to not be cast into the pit, the abyss, the bottomless pit. Once the people of that area heard this man was healed, they begged Jesus to leave. Can you imagine? Jesus Christ does this and Brother Burp, the people of that community went out there and begged the Lord Jesus to leave. Do you know geographically who these people were? They were descendants of part of those that did not cross Jordan and wanted to stay on this side and get their inheritance. And many generations later, here's the Lord Jesus himself and they're still doing the same thing, refusing to cross over and get the inheritance of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So can you imagine you'd rather have a man out of his mind? Your wife couldn't even go by that vicinity. Your children couldn't even go by that vicinity because this man, don't you get up. You sit right there, I'm not done preaching. You thought I forgot about him, didn't you? Oh no, I want to torment that outfit. Your wife couldn't go by that area. Your children couldn't go by that area. And the Lord Jesus delivers this man and you would rather have him there like he was? So the demons begged. The people begged. And then this man that the demons left, the Bible said he besought, which is to mean beg. His begging was this. Lord Jesus, let me go with you. Let me travel with you. But the Bible tells us that Jesus told him no. Now Jesus answered the petitions of the demons and he answered the petition of those who didn't want him there. But he didn't answer the petition of the man who asked for something that was seemingly good. Why? He was asking for the wrong thing. And the Lord Jesus told him, he said, no, no, you're not going with me. But what I want you to do is go back to your home and your family and tell them, notice, tell them what great things God has done for you. And the Bible said he went back to his home there and told them what great things Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, this man must have had an insight into the Godhead. Hallelujah. Don't tell them what God has done for you. You imagine him getting down there whenever he come down that old alley and the prophet said his little wife was out there and she took off running and said, oh, honey, honey, I'm changed, I'm changed. His little youngin saw him and the people of the city saw him, but he said, I'm different. I met a man. I met a man and he took my life and he changed me. Can't you see why Jesus didn't want him traveling around but he said go back to your house go back to your wife go back to your children oh praise be to God look in Revelation chapter 9 verse 1 and the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Ah, now this is Revelation chapter nine and the other is Revelation chapter 20. He opened.
opened the bottomless pit and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. So you see, even the pit and the key links together with certain dispensations of what's released out of it. Now, no doubt them devils would have loved to come out of there. He said, you stay where you are. Don't you come near that door, smack you down in there. You hear me? So God allowed smoke to come out of the very same existence, but it was not time for the devil to come out, nor time for these others to go in. And there came out a smoke of locusts upon the earth, and unto them were given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Now notice in verse 11. And they had a king over them, which is the angel. Lord have mercy. You imagine an angel giving a dominion of the bottomless pit. Which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon. But in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon, chapter 11, verse seven. And when they had finished their testimony, the prophets, Moses and Elijah, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and overcome them and kill them. Now what's amazing is the Bible tells us when this happened that they will not allow Moses and Elijah's bodies to be buried. So they will lay in the streets of the city which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt where also our Lord was crucified. That's what Revelation says. Which was Jerusalem. Now whenever they would not allow their bodies to be buried, so what does God do? When God kills these others, he said, don't bury them. Don't give them no ceremony, but leave their carcasses out on the face of the earth. That's what they've done to my prophets. That's what I'll do to them. Look, friend, God has a law. Whatsoever you sow, that shall you also reap. You sow trouble, guess what you're gonna reap? You sow arrogance, guess what you're gonna reap? Well, come on now. You sow an attitude that you think you're better than other people, you realize you're gonna reap that one day? There's only one person better than all people and that's the Lord Jesus and the rest of us are dirt bags. Now your dirt bag may cost a little more than my dirt bag but you're still a dirt bag. That's right, you're still a human being and you still stink under your arms and you got a bad breath of the morning. Well, come on now. You may put a $500 mink coat on, the prophet said it that way, and he said, stick your nose up in the air, and if it rained, it drowns you. And you may think you're really something, but you know what? Give yourself about 72 hours after life leaves that body that you make an idol out of and see what happens to you. The most beautiful woman in the world, the most handsome woman in the world, you know what happens to them? They become like a deer that's run over. You've seen them in the last several weeks. This time of the year, it increases, of course. Deer laying on the side of the road, and yet within a few weeks or months, whatever more, what happens to them? If it's a big buck, he's got great big beautiful horns and, and the bones and 
all the skin and everything there, what goes, what happens to that big pile of a deer laying there goes right back into the nutrients of the earth. What happens to a human body? Do whatever you want to with it, embalm it. Yeah, you've seen some of them guys that's been embalmed, don't you? I'd rather wind up looking like a bunch of dust than I would them mummies. Wow, that's the ugliest looking thing you've ever seen in your life. And they're going to take that in the afterlife. Goodness, no, give me Jesus. I ain't wanting that old carcass to go with their skin draped over a rack of bones. No, sir. Let me have a brand new body because I follow his word. So there's none of us that's better than anybody else. We all need Jesus. We all need the Holy Ghost. We all need to be saved. And there's only one great one among us, and that's this great Lord Jesus. Revelation 17, 8, the beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. Now it's amazing that these other demons, once they were assigned to the pit, they couldn't come out. But the king here, Apollyon and Abaddon, he can still ascend and descend, move in, and out at leisure until the day of his judgment arrives. Notice who's going to go into this. Shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition, and they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they behold the beast that was and is not, and yet is. So a pope, then he dies, then another one is, and he dies, is, and is not, and yet is. What is it? The power moves from one to another to another. Don't you understand where he got that symbol at? Don't you understand why, why that he always impersonates God? The Holy Ghost that was on Peter, James, and John. And then what did God do? The seven branch menorah. What would they do? They would take one light lit by the holy fire of God. Then they would take that candle and pull it out and light the other and the other and the other and the other. That's why the prophet of God was sent to bring a message of restoration that would restore us back to the original lighting of the original fire that came on the day of Pentecost. And friends, I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but there is a move in and around our message that is gaining momentum that they don't want that old-fashioned fire no more. They don't want that old-fashioned lighting from that original pillar of fire, but it's a watered-down mental conception of believing that God sent a prophet and many of them you can live however you want to live. That's a lie right out of the pits of hell. It'll never change a life. It'll never produce a new birth. We've got to be lit. Laodicea has to be lit by the original pillar of fire just like Peter had. God wants this church to have the same Holy Ghost that he gave to them on the book of Acts chapter two. Let's stand. Praise be to God. Notice Revelation chapter 20, verse two. Now this angel comes down with the key to the bottomless pit and he has a chain in his hand. Then verse two says, and he, not they, but he, laid hold on the dragon. That old serpent, which is the devil 
and Satan. Isn't it amazing how many different titles he has? Notice what he calls him. The dragon, that old serpent, the devil, and Satan. I love this. And bound him a thousand years. Praise be to God. Aren't you glad? That's our great mighty conqueror, the Lord Jesus. Shut him up and put a seal on him. Not with a log chain, but a chain of circumstance. He can't go out no more till the thousand years were finished. The prophet said, we know the great day of the last reign when Satan will be bound and chained with a chain of circumstance. He cannot come out and deceive the nations no more until the thousand years the millennial reign will take place on the earth while we're here glorifying our Lord Jesus and adoring him and crowning him the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Praise be to God. Oh, Lord, hasten the day. How many wants to be ready to meet him with all your heart? You can go on out there, but I don't want you sitting with Brother Keith. Just go on out that back door. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, children, no matter what you're facing tonight, if you can get a hold to the voice of God and speak to your trouble. Speak to your sickness, your anxiety, what you're going through. That same Lord Jesus has got the same power tonight. Oh, hallelujah. You believe it. How many has a need in your heart, your body, your walk with God, whatever it is? Those of you streaming the service, raise your hand as well. Let's just go before the Lord right now in prayer. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful to know tonight, dear God, that we win this war. Hallelujah. If these demons could have such confidence and such faith in you and in your power, they knew if you would have told them to go into the abyss, the bottomless pit right then, they would not be able to possess another human. But instead, you allowed them to go into this swine, this herd of pigs. And it drove those pigs out of their mind. And they ran down a steep place and ran into the water. And they were choked. And of course, them demons come out of them hogs. And they went out looking for other places to be able to habitate. Lord God, if devils can beg you for mercy, oh Lord, what about us as children of God? Father, whatever devil might be trying to torment your children tonight under the sound of my voice, sickness, disease, heartache, trouble, whatever it is, Lord, may the Spirit of God, I pray, anoint their faith tonight. We know there's times that we must fight this battle with our faith. 
And then in those sublime moments when you know that we cannot go any farther with just our human faith, you intervene for us and you speak out of our lips and anoint us with your faith, Lord God. Father, I pray for those tonight, maybe they're, they're at that place, that time in their life and they need you so much, Lord. Would you move for them, Jesus? Lord God, we don't want you to make it so easy for us that we never struggle or have any hardships or anything, but God, you know how we are sometimes. We get to a place that seems like we can't go any farther. Help us tonight, Jesus. Lord God, we believe you. We love you. We worship you, mighty God. Hallelujah. We bless your name tonight, Father. While we're in your presence, you have honored us by coming into this place tonight. Lord, every time we've met here on the Holiday Inn since we've sold our other property, there's not been one service that you haven't showed up. Not one service that you haven't been here with us. Oh, it's, it's been different for us for sure. It's not our own and all of that, but you've not disappointed one time. And we believe tonight will be no different, Lord. We call upon your name, Lord Jesus. Would you come by this way and bring healing, Father? Would you bring deliverance, Lord? Would you set the captive free? Oh, Lord God, those that are bound with besetting sins and maybe habits that they've tried to break on their own and they just can't seem to do it, may the Spirit of God pass this way tonight. If a devil can believe you're a savior, but yet know you're not his, and he can have faith in you to believe that you will determine and control his destiny, how much more can we as the sons and daughters of God tonight believe that you're not only a savior, but you're our savior. Not only believe that you control and determine our destiny, we believe you predetermined our destiny to be a part of your word before the foundation of the world. So we don't have to go through this life wondering and pondering and hoping maybe we'll be saved. Somehow we, we hope that we will. No, Lord, we can have an assurance because the token brings an assurance that we have passed from death unto life. We look at what we were and we look at what we are and what took place Jesus took place in the middle of that and that's why we're changed and we'll never be the same again. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, it gives us faith about our destiny. So we're not begging you tonight as demons. Oh, don't cast us into the abyss. Don't cast us into the lake of fire. No, we're not even praying such a prayer because that's not where we're ordained to go. That's not our home but you hewed us out of the pit. It was not the abyss. It was the pit and the mire of our sin and the miry clay that we found ourselves in. But you pulled us out of the pit. You wiped us off. You sanctified us. You cleansed us. You filled us with the Holy Ghost. You come and lived inside of our body and made our body a tabernacle of the Lord God. Oh, Father, here we are tonight to worship you. We raise our hands Lord, if this man being so demon-possessed, 
Yet whenever you come across that devil come and bowed in that man and worshiped you, if a devil would worship you, shame on us. If we as the children of God don't worship you with all of our hearts, I don't want no rock crying out in my place. If a devil can fall down before you and worship you, how much more should I worship you tonight and love you and praise you and adore you, Lord? Oh, I bless your name, Father. I thank you for being our mighty God, for being our deliverer, for being our king, for being our revealer of divine truths. Thank you for being the light that shines upon us, for lighting our path every day. You are my song, you are my peace, you are my king, you are my redeemer, you're my El Shaddai, you're El Elohi Elohim. You are everything I'll ever have need of. Oh God, if I have to go by the way of the grave, you'll be the great shepherd that'll lead me down through the past and you'll be the resurrection voice that'll call me out of the elements of the dust of the earth. What if I have to fear? If I don't come through another night, if I don't wake in the morning, I'll awake anew in the likeness of your great power, heavenly father, but if I wake in the morning, I'll get up and I'll say praise God for another day, another day to serve the Lord another day to worship God another day to harass Satan another day to torment the devil and set him down in a chair oh praise the Lord what can we do but love and worship and adore and magnify your name Oh, Jesus, we bless you tonight, Father. We love you, Lord God, with all of our hearts. We thank you, Father, for your great truths. Oh, we worship you tonight, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Brother Joel, maybe you'll come and lead us a little bit in some singing. Can we just worship him just a little bit before we go? We got time. Oh, thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Don't you want to worship him? My goodness, friend. Can you imagine demons if they would bow before him and worship him? What about saints of God that are redeemed, filled with the spirit of God? Oh, we love you tonight, Father. We rejoice in your presence. We worship you, Lord. Now look, I can sense it, I can feel it. You can't have that. I know you get afraid when you go to talk about that rim. You ain't got nothing to be afraid of. You say, I'm scared to death, that thing. But Donnie, you don't have to be. You don't have to be scared of that. You got the spirit of God. We are not called to be scared of demons. We're not called. Oh, I know, I know, I've faced them many times. I've seen them physically. I've told you before. I had one to come into my bedside in Michigan, hit the bottom of the bed and knock the headboard against the, the room and that scared you. Did it scare you? It scared me, but I felt something come from within me, hallelujah, that rose above my fear. Oh, I'm scared to death, that'll get me. Don't you be afraid, that's gonna get you. You belong to God. Your body belongs to him, your soul belongs to him. That devil comes, you know what you wanna tell him? Boo, boo, devil, back off, devil. You ain't gonna get me, devil. Leave me alone, devil. Leave my family alone, devil. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Sing, Brother Joel. Let's worship him together. Come before we go. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we worship you, Lord. Oh, yes, Father. I long after you, Jesus. Oh, I want more of you, Father, in my life, O Lamb of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. 
We praise you tonight, Father. We bless your name, Lord God. Hallelujah. Let's praise him, children, with all of our hearts. Thank you, Lord Jesus. our hands in his presence. Thank you, Lord Jesus. More than gold and silver, Father. More than the world, more than wealth, more than riches. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are my King. Yes, you are, Lord. Hallelujah. I want you more than any others. Yes, dear Jesus. Yes, dear Jesus, more than anything.
name, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord. You came for me. Hallelujah. Love letters in the sky. Oh, yes, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's sing it now. A really different story. To restore us, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Forever changed our lives, Father. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Now let's sing it together, children, with all of our hearts. Nobody, nobody. Like you love me, my Jesus. I stand in awe of your amazing, your ways, Lord. I worship you. Amen. Oh, as long as I'm breathing, faithful and true. He loves me. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord. Breaking down the weight of all my mountains. Thank you, Jesus. Like I'm surrounded, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, say it to him, children. With all your heart, let's love him now. Praise God. Nobody loves us, Lord, like you do. Not our mama, not our daddy. Nobody, Lord God. You're amazing. Your ways, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God, you are faithful and true. Nobody, nobody, all is singing. Nobody loves me like you love me, Jesus. I stand in awe of your amazing way. Cause you promised you wouldn't, Lord Jesus. 
Everybody now, hallelujah. Nobody loves me like King Jesus. I stand in awe of your amazing. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. God, you are faithful and true. Hallelujah. Like you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Don't you love it with all your heart? We're so honored to have Brother Mike Walls and his precious wife with us tonight. Brother Mike Walls' father. So we want Brother Mike, if he will, to come and... Uh, just say a few words, say if you would, and, and dismiss you in prayer. We appreciate Brother Mike coming. I told him yesterday, I guess it was, I saw him over at the church, and Brother Mike's the type of preacher that kind of sneaks in because he don't want you to feel obligated, you know, to use him or anything like that. I really can't condemn him for that because I do the same thing. So, we certainly love our brother, so I appreciate him. He's been a real friend. Thank you, buddy. Love you. Greet him if you'd like. Just real quick, I'm thankful that the Lord has blessed us with places to worship. Amen. I know you've been in this hotel for a few months. We've been written a seven-day Adventist church for a few years, about 25. And uh, they just got a new pastor. And he's not real nice that I can tell yet. And we need prayer to get over this little hump so that we can continue worshiping the Lord. But you know what? I was sitting there thinking, if he needs to put us in a hotel, I like this. <laughs> this ain't bad. So we thank God. But you know, I was thinking our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, we've helped a family to get to our area. And there's a family living with one of our brothers in the church. And... Their homes back in Ukraine have been completely destroyed. There's no land for them to live on. And you know, we had a prophet that said, the last vision he saw was the U.S. smoldering in ash. And I was thinking today, Lord, you blessed us. We got more junk and storage sheds in our yards. And these people are struggling just to survive so we had a little a little part of helping a couple of families to get over here out of that tragedy we just know that God's in control and we know that we're near the end closer than we can ever imagine we have nothing to complain about it's the blessings of the Lord we're here this far he's give us the warning signs and we should be more than ready to go out Brother Donnie said it so well. We should not be afraid of what this devil's saying. Brother Branham acknowledged. He said, what are you afraid of? We got nothing to be afraid of. Not when we got the greatest gift, the power of the Spirit of God to lead us and guide us. Let's just give him thanks as a body. Father, we do thank you. Lord, that you watched over us and you met our needs. Lord, sometimes we're so unthankful for all that we have. 
And Lord, we want to give more. As our brother said earlier, we didn't praise you enough. We didn't honor you enough in 22. Help us, Lord, to have a stronger urge to worship you in 23. Lord, to go out with such a glorious praise to your name. And Lord, to enter into your presence, Lord. We know that we're not long here in this earth. We know that you've watched over us. You give us a message, Lord, that's been right on time. Lord, the devil doesn't like it, but we that have received the revelation of the word for this day are standing and believing God and knowing that no devil can take it from us because by the supernatural power, you've led us this far. And if you led us this far, you will not let us down to make it all the way into the end. Father, we thank you tonight for the word of life, for the strength that you've given us. Help us, Lord, to press this battle until we're out of here. We praise your holy name in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Amen. We certainly appreciate all the folks being with us in service tonight. Brother Walls, and also I think we have some folks from Canada here with us tonight. Just all of our visitors, we pray it's been a blessing. It's been a blessing for me to be in the house of God tonight. Has it you? Let's just sing this as we go. Forget to pray for the service Sunday. It's a new year, as Brother Keith mentioned. I don't think you need to turn a clock back or anything. Just get a new calendar and I think you're good. But uh, we'll see you Sunday. Let's sing this together. Saved by grace. Well, I was alone in the darkness. Could not find my way.